Uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Bottom of the Bill. We got our boy Al Richard on today. Uh, thanks for being on here today, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, all right. Before we start, we always do, do the obligatory cheers. Al didn't want nothing. Al was yeah. feeling like drinking today, so we're going to do this one without you, bro. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure I don't slur my words. So. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, no, we, sl- we, we slur our words. <laughs> we're, we're, we're slurs here. <laughs> um, oh, all right, so um, before we get started, I just want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, uh, Spliffs over in downtown, uh, Wicked Barley Brewery, who actually gave us some beer to be drinking today, so thank you for that, Jen. Thanks, Jen. You're the best. Uh, um, brews over in Riverside, Harleston Scotch, a great scotch company based here in Florida. Uh, Sidecar Jacks, who actually hooked us up with Harleston Scotch, so that was pretty cool. And then Captain Jack's Smokehouse uh, up in Fernandina, some of the best barbecue you will ever have, so definitely check that out. Uh, and then Side Hustle has a couple dates coming up, the Monster Mash yeah. Festival on Halloween, and then nice. uh, our dinner and a show at 1904 on November 21st. We have another one I can't, I don't know if I can say it yet, but... Uh, so I'll hold off on that. But and then I have some solo dates, Captain Jack's Smokehouse on October 9th. And then I'm uh, playing at Jack Rabbits on October 13th. So make sure you get your tickets for that. Um, and then, yeah, Bill, you got anything you want to plug? Um, oh, yeah. Greenhouse Lounge is back. And we're going to be playing a show Halloween. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But on ha- it's going to be. Pre- I'm sorry. Not Halloween. Uh, October 30th. Thank you. Sorry. Okay. I was going to say, wow. So that'll be at 1904. But. Sweet. Look out for that too. What about Al? you? Oh, you got any shows coming up? Nothing coming up. Just trying to finish up this uh, the CD. And uh, you know, when you're kind of doing it yourself, you have the uh, marketing the whole bit. So that's that's a lot of work in itself. Yeah, I definitely I definitely want to ask you all about that. I'm super interested in what your uh, what your strategy to get it out to market is, and mm-hmm. just the process of what the process has been like. Uh, but before we get to all that. I kind of wanted to go back a little bit further and just kind of see how you got your start playing. And mm-hmm. are you from Jacksonville? No, I'm actually from New York. Okay. Yeah. And uh, actually, my uh, sister is a musician, you know, in the family. And she went to uh, the uh, LaGuardia High School of Music and Art. Okay. And, uh, you know, I would go with her and they would have, you know, of course, like, you know, they do a DA, have their, their concerts and the whole bit. And I would go with her, you know, kind of protection and the whole bit, you know. So one day I went there and I saw uh, Al McDowell playing. And, you know, he was doing the thumb thing or whatever. And I'm like, I want to do that. That started it. So uh, fortunately for me, her boyfriend was also going to the school. He was a bass player. And he just had a, a, a plethora of talent there. You have Omar Keane was going there at the time. Well, you had uh, Marcus Miller, you know, went there. You know, so uh, I just got to see these guys, you know, when they were like just kind of budding. That's awesome. You know. Wow, man. That must have been a great experience to see him. Especially like Marcus Miller. He's like one of my favorite bass players of all time. So it must have been great to see him at such a young age. And that's, that's my guy. That's my blueprint. Yeah. You know, as I call him. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. So what, what brought you to Jacksonville? Um, I, on, well, my main job is I write software. So at the time, I was working for Merrill Lynch. Okay. And Merrill Lynch decided to uh, move down here. Yeah. So I said, uh, you know, why not? And uh, the rest is history. have been here for like 30 years now. Wow. So, yeah. So did did you get your start like playing around in bands in Jacksonville? Um, that's well, actually, let me back up. So I you know started playing and I had different guys show me things. You know, I'm not formally trained at all or whatever. Just kind of sitting. really, and that's wow. that's kind of like one of the things with a church. You know, you have these guys, amazing musicians, and then the young cats sit up under them, 
and then you know you, you learn and then when you get good enough then you know you, you know they promote you and let you you know play here and there or whatever so I started up um, doing different uh, church things right and kind of honed my you know my skill and, and the whole bit and then I joined the band one-to-one um, -one, led by Jeffrey Robeson some amazing uh, vocalists uh, organist keyboards you know but in the gospel uh, genre okay but we, we were kind of like in between gospel and kind of R&B type thing or whatever. And just great musicians in that band. You know, I learned a whole lot. I was a young pup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so uh, when I moved here, um, again, you know, I, I made a transition pretty quickly into the gospel scene, right? And Luke Shumpert, um, he had a group called One Accord, and he brought me in to play for them. And I just met, you know, different people. And one of the guys I met was uh, Eric Carter. Oh, okay, yeah, right. Eric, yeah. So then he um, he was playing with this band called Slip Mickey, um, and that was led by Tim Starr, and their bass player was, uh, you know, vacating. So he said, hey, come on in, you know, join the band. So then that's when I started doing the club circuit, you know, back in the day, you know, with Slip Mickey. And that's kind of kind of where I got my start. That's pretty dope. Mm -hmm. So what, what um, the, so that, was that like an original project, or was that like you guys doing covers and... All covers. All covers, yeah. okay. It's, it's more of a, you know, a party band, a jam band, you know, gotcha. type of thing or whatever. But the cool thing about that is uh, a lot of the players we had uh, in the band uh, were jazz cats. Right. And, uh, oh, actually, let me let me back up because there's another band uh, before that called Leofall. Okay, what was right. it called? Leofall. Leofall? Yeah. Okay. I think it's like a, a rock in Ireland, something like that. It's I, I forget the, uh, the, the meaning. Gotcha. But uh, a couple of guys, uh, Brian Keel, um, Bob Butterly, Roger Strong, and Justin Varnes. Um, great music. And Justin's in Atlanta now. He's doing, you know, jazz. Great drummer. And, uh, yeah, so he uh, he kind of got me into that band, right? And I started playing with him a lot. And the cool thing about that was, like I said, I'm not formally trained. And he would pick me up to go to the gig. And he was studying, you know, jazz at uh, one of the colleges. And he would just groom me, you know, what's this? How many sharps in this? How many flats in this key? You know, right. <laughs> it was hilarious. And he's the one that introduced me to uh, Victor Wooten. Okay. Yeah, so. Um, it's always interesting uh, being the person in the room who doesn't have any kind of formal education in the music mm -hmm. uh, realm because... Yeah, you're uh, the same way. I'm the same way. Oh, okay. Um, and I was always, when I started kind of getting involved playing, mm -hmm. uh, like starting my own bands, I was surrounded by guys that went to school Mm -hmm. And what a workout that is! It, it is. Uh, it's great, but it's mm -hmm. also some of those humbling moments you'll have. Oh my god! You yeah. know, they, 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 there's no punches pulled. No. Yeah. If you don't know your shit, they just they, they let you know, and uh -huh. it's just it's not acceptable to them. You know. Yeah, you know, I got laughed at on stage, you know, a couple of times, yeah. right? You know, <laughs> and these guys they can blow. I mean, you know, these UNF cats. I mean, I'm I'm playing with guys like uh, Scott Rademacher, John Ricci, Eric Ream, you know, uh, all these cats. And they can really blow. And they toss us all over to me, and I'm like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. I, have, I have no idea what to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, it's, if I'm not, you know, plucking and popping, I'm like, okay, I'm lost. And I'm like, you have to make a decision. Either you're going to live with this, or you're going to figure it out and never let this happen again. Right, you know? right. So. Yeah, we were talking about that another podcast ago where, like, you kind of need to, like, fail on stage just so you know. Not, not only do you know that it's like, oh, it's not the end of the world. But mm -hmm. also, like, I don't ever want to feel that way. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's a wild. So it's a wild dynamic, man, for mm -hmm. sure. So what was um, what was the first creative project 
did you get you got involved where you were like writing and um it was more of a executive uh pro- production a producer you know okay and that was with my son you know when he started uh um recording his first project with uh, tony royster bob Menser, and uh, I think at the time Frank Cleveland was, you know, producing that. You know, okay. I was just putting the money into the, you know, the whole thing or whatever. So that was like my first uh, experience, you know, on that on that level. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. And what was what was the one to one project? Uh, the one to one project that was uh, uh, back in New York again. That was with uh, Jeffrey Roberson, um, uh, Zach Robertson, um, Eddie Jones, and my sister. She sings too, so she was the vocalist in the band as well. Uh, Gail Roberson. And that was more of like an R&B type thing. Um, and, you know, I laugh today because, like, everything's digital now, right? But you had the two-inch, and you had to know the song back then. You go in, go, you know, because, you know, you, you, you just play the whole song. There's no, you know, uh, cutting and pasting right. or whatever. You can, but it's, it's, it was like very hard. Like a long, you know, uh, a time-consuming process yeah. or whatever. So that was like, and you see that... I'm funny that way. When I see that red light comes on, or you know, or come on, I get uh, we call Frankfurter fingers. All of a sudden, the, everything you know, the things I do all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's the weirdest thing. Okay, I'm gonna do this thing, and you know, you do it a hundred times, and that, you see that red light, and all of a sudden, Changes you're tripping everything. over your fingers. You know, so that was kind of funny. Yeah. So that was like you know my first recording project. You know. Okay. You know, and I didn't record uh, really anymore until I uh, I formed the um, Segway Group. Okay. Yeah. Um, before we go on to Segway, um, what was the experience like working in the studio with your family and like you know in the, on the one to one project? But what was that experience like? It was it was really cool. I mean, you know, we had played together for so long, so we knew each other, and um, they had a work ethic. You know, uh, the, the songs were rehearsed, so when we went in the studio, it was like boom, boom, boom. You know, um, yeah, nice and easy. You know. I had no no real complaints. We had no problems. You know, we just went in there and, and did it, and knocked it out, and that was pretty much it. Did you guys find that when you uh, listen back to stuff like they're like just I, I know when we're in the studio, we always listen back to things that we thought were really well rehearsed mm-hmm. and c- catching like these little things like where we you know we didn't realize that the, that the kick and the and, and the and the bass weren't lining up on certain parts and mm-hmm. and just little things like that. Did you guys come into that at all? Not that I can remember. Wow. I mean, and, and there's you know philosophy too. I um, mean, I've been reading up and, and kind of like studying, you know, different bass players and what they say about different things. So musicians, period. And it's like there's the live performance and then there is the studio performance. You know, so you want to do what's good for the record. Right. You know, not I want to show my chops and play the slick or whatever. Sure. What's good for the song? You know, and you play that. You know, and that's that's what we you know we try to stick to. Uh, um, Recording's a funny thing too. It's uh, you're trying to capture a performance. Sometimes you do a take and the notes are right, but the other take felt better. Yeah. So you know you have to make a decision what's 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 right for the song, and that comes down to the editing and uh, the mixing and you know that sort of thing or whatever. Right, right. So that's just you know my philosophy to to this day. Yeah, for sure. Doing it all in one take though. That's that's. That's Yo, a lot of pressure. It, it, it <laughs> I don't, think, I don't think any bands had to do that in like at least twenty years. Yeah, <laughs> ten and, years and maybe. I'd say not twenty. Yeah, but still. Yeah, it's it's funny because like now you know people are sending me stuff, you know, to put a baseline on it or whatever, and I'm sitting there playing and watching Law and Order, and I mess <laughs> up and just go back, put the yeah. you know the little tick marks. Okay, I play that part over, and keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you think know. that makes music better though? Because it's perfect, right? 
Some, sometimes it's, it's uh, I, I still try to keep that uh, that whole thing about the performance. Yeah, the feel. The, the feel, you know, it has to, you know, feel good. If I can't bump my head to it or whatever, or or it doesn't incite emotion in me, then I'm like, it's not the right take. Right. That's why yeah. I like listening to live shows so much. I don't know mm. what it is. It's not even like, like obviously they're gonna mess up at some. There's such a yeah. perfect show, but like mm-hmm. compare that to an album, you're like. There's something else, some other element in it that I'm just like, ah, I just like that better. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a thing, you know, you can't put your finger on it, you know, like it, or you would sell it at Walmart, right? But um, it's just a thing. I don't I don't know what it is, but yeah, it, it feels good and, and that's it. It's like the the notes are just part of, the, part of the thing and the feel is another part of the thing. Silence is a part of, the, you know, the song too, whatever. Totally, yeah, you man. Know, not playing, sitting out. It's like, and, and then sometimes the funny thing is you'll make a mistake, right, that you think. And you go back and listen, and I'm like, that's cool. Leave it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, man. Our first, yeah. our first record, our bass player, Sean, there's mm-hmm. a section where him and the drummer were kind of t- going back and forth on like a little, I wouldn't call them solos, but it was definitely highlighting more of them. Uh-huh. And he played this, this riff that he's never played before live. Mm-hmm. And it completely, in his mind, botched it. Uh-huh. And I'm, list- I'm on the other, si- the other side, I'm like, that was magical. Whatever the fuck that was, <laughs> that was so nasty. Uh-huh. He was like, "That sounded terrible." I was like, "No, nah, man, listen back. We're keep- that's like you don't even get a say in this. We're keeping it. <laughs> keeping it's it. like yeah. shit like that just happens yeah. sometimes, man. You know, or vice versa. It's something like you, something you play and you hate, but everybody else loves it. Like yeah. you said, and it's like I, I cringe when I hear it, but that's you know, it's not my 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 uh, project, so yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's 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 mm-hmm. it's a weird place, man. Studios like this. Mm-hmm. It, there's there's a magic to the live performances as well, which I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a great appreciator appreciator of. But I, I mean, to me, the studio is like a different realm of of, of existence. That just anything and anything is po- anything and everything is possible, you right. know. Mm-hmm. So, um, speaking of, of of records, was there something that you like growing up? Was there anything that you like like a record or an artist that really kind of made you realize like this is what I want to do? Uh, yeah, it started with uh, uh, Larry Graham. Okay, right? and that was just like okay, you know, I lost my mind. And that, and there are a few players that I kind of lost my mind over. So he was the first, and I had to learn how to you know do all of that stuff. Um, uh, another guy, Nathaniel Phillips. A lot of guy don't, a lot of people don't know about him. He played with uh, Pleasure. Okay, yeah, that's, uh, I think his most famous uh, tune was Glide. I mean, that bass line was was just amazing. Um, then after that, it was Marcus. After Marcus, it was uh, John Patitucci. Okay. And after that, Victor Wooten. And, uh, yeah. So, and of course, you know, the, the uh, usual suspects like the Jockos and the uh, Stanleys. And, of course, you know, yeah. Those, those things. But, uh, yeah, those, those guys were my, my main influences. And that's just from an early age you were into them? From an early age. And then um, later on, um, just watching uh, uh, Patitucci. You know, and try to understand what he, you know, was doing or whatever. Or, you know, the thing is, you hear somebody that influences you or whatever, you want to find out where did they get it from. Right. And yeah. so you always talked about horn players. And, and, and uh, again, Justin Vaughn uh, talked about this with me, too. It's like transcriptions, not just the written, but uh, orally, too. Right. You, know, you listen to it, you know, play it back or whatever, and then kind of figure out and um, see what works for you. Because at the end of the day, I don't, know how, I don't care how much theory you have, it comes down to your ear, you know. So the theory just kind of gives you the roadmap to kind of understand how it fits in harmony and, you know, that whole thing or whatever. But once, it, like, uh, I think Coltrane said it, learn it and forget it. Right. Yep. Right? Exactly. So and that's it, and then and just play. Yep. Every, every, every jazz guy, every jazz musician that I know that's been doing it for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, specifically the schooled guys, 
they all say the same exact thing. It's like, yeah, uh, learn all of it mm. and then just forget it. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's like, it's it. Music theory is a, a great tool, uh, and I've had to learn quite a bit of it in working with the people that I've worked with over the, over the years. But I mean, it can if you don't learn how to operate without using it, mm-hmm. uh, which means basically just using your ear to learn things mm-hmm. and to and to hear concepts and ideas, then it's very it can be very limiting. You know, if if mm-hmm. if it's like you're, it's like hey, well theoretically this makes sense. We're just gonna do that. It's like. I don't know. Maybe we can take it somewhere else, though. You know. Yeah, and, and one of uh, one of the most important things to me is, uh, well, the first guy that started teaching me, David Ennis. He said, if you can sing it, you can play it, right? So singing, even if you don't have a great voice, and Patatucci talks about this too, sing it. You know, before you go pick up your instrument, you know, um, listen to the song and then sing your 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 solo. Then pick up instrument. You know. Right. Right. Yeah, and or, you know, like O'Teal, do it at the same time. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm not that talented. So, <laughs> our bass player mm-hmm. Sean's yeah, a big O'Teal fan. Amazing seeing somebody who can do that. Yeah, he does uh-huh. it. Uh, he, he does. Uh, he doesn't. Uh, Sean's Sean doesn't do all the jazzy stuff, but he does. You know, that that kind of like scatting over the the solo and so it's really he, he does a great job with it though for sure yeah teal's an animal though yeah he's like playing nice. through all the scales and like singing it at the yeah. same time and uh-huh. yeah it's it's wild um so what what kind what drew you to jazz was it like stuff that you grew up just hearing around the house or well that's a, that's a funny question because i didn't really like jazz you know i'm like you know, it just didn't appeal to me. Yeah. You know, un- until I, I wasn't uh, mature enough musically to understand what was going on. Right. And then it wasn't until, like, really, uh, you know, so I listened to John Patitucci and he said, horn players. Got to check out horn players. And then I started, like, you know, digging the whole sidestepping thing, um, enclosure, you know, uh, and learning these concepts. And, again, being on these gigs with these great horn players, like John Ricci, you know, uh, J.U., director, whatever he just played us amazing stuff, you know, and uh, in between sets, I'm like, what is that? What, what, you know, explain that to me, Scott, right? make the same thing. Explain that to me. What was that? Oh, this is just based on this or whatever, you know, and I understand it. And I had to go home and sit, you know, when you don't really understand, you have to sit note by note. And then, you know, what they said, if, if they said a melodic minor, right? So you, okay, how does this fit melodic minor or whatever? Okay, then you have to play a chord or whatever. And say, oh, that's how that fits in there. Right. So it doesn't become a, a, a theoretical thing. Well, it does, but now you're not thinking about it because it's in your ear. Yeah, exactly. like a eureka, eureka moment, sorry, that's yeah. what I say. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know. And then, and then another part, too, is getting it under your fingers. Yeah. You know, so I've been that, trying to play God a Match for years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, mm-hmm. <laughs> quite the mountain to climb. Yeah, oh, man, it's like... Um, but yeah, man. I mean, that that's always my biggest issue. Is like, my my ears definitely work quicker than my hands do. I can say that much right now. Mm-hmm. So I get all like I've I've listened. I mean, I, I listen to a lot of jazz, um, and a lot of the ideas that come to me in the moment mm-hmm. are based on that stuff. And it's like, mm-hmm. then my brain's just like, "What are you doing? You don't know how to do this yet. Just uh-huh. stop thinking <laughs> that way at the moment, and then uh-huh. go home, shed, mm-hmm. and then it'll come out." You know? Yeah. yeah. That's like. But yeah, and I'm not a, I'm not a big swing guy, but bebop. Yeah, that's that's just you know Sonny Stitt, you know um, who else? 
I mean, Charlie Parker. Charlie Parker and, you know. I mean, that that's always been. I mean, Coltrane too. Coltrane. That, that's yeah. always been my my Achilles heel because mm-hmm. I can't play that fast. Mm-hmm. Like those guys, that's like like 200 BPM swing. Mm-hmm. They're just like just effortlessly mm-hmm. just playing through shit, and you're just like, this is yeah. wild. But here's the thing, and it's funny you should say it's like Miles um, got me off that that whole thing, that speed thing, or whatever. Um, yes, it's cool to play fast, and it's actually easy to play fast because everything's moving and you can't capture everything. It's harder to play slow. Yeah. Um, so when uh, Miles came out with Kind of Blue um, and something like uh, Freddie Freeload or whatever, you know, he's playing a slow blues solo, and that's how I learned how to solo over blues. Gotcha. You know, and then, you, and then once you get that, like, oh, okay, so you don't realize that at the time, but mentally you're, you're putting putting these blocks together. Yeah, totally. Know? And a really cool rule of thumb is like mm-hmm. is like taking the head from those tunes and building concepts off of that. Exactly. You know, rhythmically, melodically, you can even change mm-hmm. up the notes if you want to, and just rhythmically mm-hmm. play the same thing. Th- and that's yeah. it. And it's a, it's a it's a like Patrick just said, it's a, a motif. Right. So you, you start with a theme, exactly. a little motif thing, and then expand on it. And expand on it, expand on it, and one of the funniest things, uh, uh, Eric Carter, you know, a lot of stuff I learned was more verbal than you know, uh, trading on the instruments. You know, he said, uh, solos like, like uh, having a conversation, you know, with a woman that you're interested in. You see her across the room, right? You go over, you say hello, right? If she doesn't say hello, you back away from it. So it's the same <laughs> thing musically. You know, no one said you had to, like, fight through and struggle. If you go into the solo thing and it's, like, going the wrong way or whatever, or, or you're not feeling it or whatever, back out of it. Right. And hand the ball off. Right, right. So it's, it's, it's concepts, you know, conceptual or whatever. That's an extraordinary, uh, that's an extraordinary uh, amount of discipline to, it, to get to. And mature, maturity and just bowing out when you know it's not your time yeah, anymore, you like, know. Like, okay. Play a note here, you know, and that's the thing too. It's uh, and I don't want to, you know, just soloing wise, but um, when you step out, you you have to like uh, not care almost, right? You know, because what freaks us out, we can have a hundred people in the audience, like yeah, 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 but we're concerned with that one bass player in the back that has his arm. Oh COVID. yeah. That shit you drives know. me crazy. I, yeah. making, I live off that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I love hating yeah. it. You know, uh, I'm like, oh, I might try to please this guy. He probably, you know, he's not going to buy my records or whatever. Right. You know, these people are, I'm making their booties move and the whole bit. You know, that's right. what it's about. I'm not here to like, hey, did you hear that lick that I practiced all week, you know, and nobody cared when I played it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the plight of, mm-hmm. uh, of, a, of a performer or an artist. So I mean, comedians have the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Where it's like they can like there can be a room full of people laughing and getting off on what they're saying. Mm-hmm. You have that one person in the back just like I'd rather be anywhere else in the world right now. And it's like we just can't help but yeah. but focus in on that and be like, yeah. what what? Why do you hate me? Exactly. <laughs> Try to give yeah. you everything I got here. Like, why do you right. hate me? And, 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 and you, you you see like the 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 really famous ones. It's like even like I say a Dave Chappelle. If he's you know doing his thing and somebody gets up and walks out, it bothers him. Yeah, it's somebody yeah, like right. that man, guys selling out arenas. Yeah, like, like one guy <laughs> walks out. <It's> like, <laughs> what did I do? Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. 
It's the plight of an artist. I don't man. know. I like it. You like uh, it? You yeah. like when they walk uh, out and leave? Oh, no, when they walk out and leave. Yeah, I'm a real big fan of that. Yeah. No, I'm trying to say, <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, I, I kind of mm. like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm here to like, prove myself. And it's like, mm. I know I'm doing good. I'm not going to back down. I'm like, oh, nobody likes me. I'm like, no, yeah. you're going to like yeah. me by the end of this song. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the way it's, I look uh, at it. It's interesting. Mm. You don't th- you don't do that? No, uh, it's, it's it's strange because uh, that's why I, I, I would like, feel you're gonna like me. I would feel like uh, <laughs> the roles would be reversed given we have such different confident level like confidency. What do you mean? Levels, you know what I mean? You have none. I'm I have typically all of no. I'm typically much more confident. You're typically <laughs> the one true. who's like, oh my god, just in general, you just as a social in, in social scenario. Oh yeah, but not mm-hmm. on stage. Not on stage. On stage no, I'm a, I'm a human. I'm a wreck on stage. Oh, well, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's true. On stage, he or before every gig that we have, he's he's. Playing his electric guitar like acoustically or whatever for like an hour straight, just to warm up. I just get to the warm up, going. It's, it's, yeah, it's, just it's, going dry every time. No, there's no way I, I could do the, that. The, the, I'm always warmed up. Is my thing. Yeah. Uh, do you okay. warm up, Al? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way too. It's like I have a bad habit uh, of I'll have a month, you know, before the gig, and the night before I'm trying to cram and make sure I, you yeah. know, I, I know the tunes, but it's like you know I, I don't have it under my fingers, and it's been a while since I played. And I noticed um, if I play an hour straight right before the gig, uh, that's when it's the best for me. Because yeah. I'm not thinking anymore, and it's very hard for me to play the wrong note. You know, it's just like, you know, because that's, that's, that's when things start to happen badly for me, when I get in my own head. Yep. You know, if I, you know, flub or whatever, and then I just like, oh, my God, what's going on? And then it gets just, it just, you know, it just gets out of control or whatever. But trying to keep it... it the thing is, you got to project one thing where you're feeling another thing inside. Right. You know? Exactly. That's kind of like the. Uh, so you got to uh, you got to be an actor also. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. It's it's uh. Yeah, the music is one thing, but people people are kind of watching um, the body language too. You know. And I that's, agree. And that's kind of one of the things, especially like when you know I'm thumping or whatever, right? Now, realistically, if I'm sitting in the house, I'm doing like this or whatever, but I have the big strokes. So the guy in the back can see what I'm doing. He's right. Like, oh my God, he's doing something amazing. And no, I'm just you know theatrics. Right. You know, it's like oh, that's got to be hard. You know, I'm like you no, know, it's just people love to see that kind of they, shit. They, they, that's what they it's do. All about. You know, it's you like wipe your sweat. And, you know, it's like oh my God, this is so hard. Right. Okay, but I don't go on for you. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> really inside yourself. Okay, just yeah. another gig, bro. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll dance on stage, or I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll jump around. I'm like the, uh, one of the only keyboardists that plays standing up. Uh-huh. I, can't, I can't sit down. Oh, like yeah, that. he gets. Yeah. But I, before I, I was uh, playing music, I, I did like plays and uh, oh, uh, was, okay. uh, you know, not an actor. But I mean, I was just a kid or anything like that. But I did that for a long time, like all the way up from like six until I was like, you know, almost seventeen years old. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, yeah, you got it. You're you're on. People are also looking at you while they're listening yeah. to you. Yeah. So if you're gonna perform exactly. live, you gotta you gotta yeah, you know. Around be entertaining to look at too well it's like it's like <laughs> axel rose man i think axel rose gets up there every night and is just feeling like a rock star i'm sure he has some nights where he doesn't want to be there yeah, and yeah. he still jumps around on stage like 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 you know like just i don't know a complete rock star right. you know and puts on the show yeah you th- everything uh, uh iggy pop ever had a, a, yeah. a bad night <laughs> or the red no. chili peppers or anything, <laughs> that yeah. didn't happen yeah and, 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 and it's funny you, you know you touch on something that's the bad thing it's like if you're not feeling well as a 
a performer in a band, you can't call in sick because it affects oh, yeah. Yeah. five yeah, or six yeah. other people, you know? So totally. Like, Especially yeah. in bands like that because you're not just yeah. going to call. When, when you have a, you're talking about like a million-dollar production here. Yeah, exactly. It's not like, like you're not going to call a fill-in for Slash. Right, you know right. what I mean? Exactly. It's, it's like, like we'll just get someone else to play the gig. This guy knows our tunes. It's like, you got, like, no, maybe Guns and Roses. You got, like, badasses <laughs> like B.B. King where you just, like, sit down in a chair. And, like, that alone is just, like, enough to be like, that's badass. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yes. so it's it's not just it's not just like you gotta have high energy or anything like mm. that. You just you know it is you, people are looking at you too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Gotta look good, and he PB King always looked fucking good. Oh too. yeah, <laughs> that's the thing too. Is 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 how how your audience first received you, right? Right. If he came out there before, like you know, like Little Richard or something, and then midway through his career, he's gonna sit down and be like, "What the heck is this?" Right. But he's always done that. That's always been his his thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So and it's and it's 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 a it's a a curse because a lot of times you have musicians and maybe you've experienced this where you've been playing this you know for like ten years the set and you want to do something new yeah and you play the new thing and they're like ah you want to hear blah 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 you know so you kind of all right fine you know play you know. And it's just, you got to please the crowd, you know? Yeah, totally. I can't say we've had that happen because nobody knows any of our songs. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we have had it happen with covers, though, a couple of times. It, like, there's, a couple, there's a couple covers that the band does that, uh, that people know for sure that we do. Mm-hmm. So they come to see us and they know that they want to, like, we do, we do a foreplay in Long Time by Boston. Uh-huh. So, and then, you know, the, the, the ridiculous organ intro that mm-hmm. Billy does a really good job on. Uh-huh. I'm, class, I'm much more classical. He's, yeah, he's, a class, oh, okay. he's classically yeah. trained. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, people definitely want to see that. And like, we've played right. it, we, for like the last two years, we've been closing out like every show with it. So on uh-huh. our heads, we're like, okay, it's time to move on to something else. Uh-huh. But people are like, play foreplay. Exactly. It's like, you know, we have like, we're like working on our second <laughs> album right now. Like we have songs that we've written too. Right. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. You got to play what they want sometimes. I don't yeah. Know to, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. I get it. Or you could be like DJ Request. Yeah. Like, I don't play Request. Yeah. Just be a dick. I don't know. I I, I think those people are kind of dicks, but at the same time, like, "Eh." yeah, I get it. Um, So speaking of uh, being in uh, creative projects and different bands and stuff, uh, and also uh, what's happening right now, we can segue into this. Uh, (laughs) Perfect. Boom. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So let's talk about segue a little bit. What was that process like? So. what I did was I, I, I decided I wanted to start my own band, right? Um, and where the uh, the name of the band came from when I was in One to One, the drummer, uh, Zach Robertson, every time we're playing something, he's like, let's put a segue in this, you know, let's put a segue or whatever. And so it just kind of stuck with me. So I said, if I, if I have my own band, I'm going to call it segue. So that started that whole thing. So the next step was to find the players that kind of fit what I was kind of going for, which was like the Yellow Jackets, and that's a big influence of mine. Love Yellow Jackets. I want to do, you know, something like that. So I went and I saw um, Scott Rademacher was playing with Gary Starling at the time. Okay. I'm like, that guy has the fire in him, you know, like a Mark Russo type thing. Um, drummer, young kid um, who's producing and doing all sorts of wonderful stuff. Corey Johnson, drummer. Okay. Like, I want him. Um, another fantastic uh, uh, guitarist, um, Clay Benjamin. I said, that's that's my uh, that's my guy, you know, for that. Um, and keyboard-wise, uh, it was this guy named Elijah Paris, Elijah Atlas Paris. And he does a whole lot of jazz stuff, just a phenomenal uh, keyboard player. 
And that's, I said, you know, I want to do this thing. Let's do a project. And, uh, you know, everybody was on board. And to get buy-in, I said, um, everybody has to write a song for the project. So that kind of got, you know, smart and more interesting. It's like, okay. And, uh, yeah, the rest, is, uh, the rest is history. So I have a, something I like to do with this, with this podcast is kind of dive into some aspects of, of being in a band and running a band that you don't really hear anywhere else. And mm-hmm. part of that is a dynamic of being a hired gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus being like a band leader, mm-hmm. can you explain a little bit about what that dynamic meant for you? And did you do you feel like having been a part of other projects in the past that it kind of informed your ability to be a band leader? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there were some takeaways. You know, it's, it's kind of like you know uh, working in in corporate America when you're just like in the trenches and you have several different managers that you've worked for. But what do you do? Um, you pull different things. I didn't like about, I didn't like this about them. I didn't like how I treated me. 100%. You know, I didn't like this. I like this or whatever. So you pull all those things that kind of like, you know, going to be part of, you know, you say to yourself, if ever I'm a manager, this is how I'm going to run my yeah, show. So becoming your own boss. I have no idea. Yeah. yeah, exactly what you're talking about. You know, and so um, that that was that part of it. Um, um, I think the other part you said, um, side man versus. Yeah. Yeah. So um, side man is just. It's kind of like being a, a consultant, you know. I have no vested interest. I don't care really what happens to the company or whatever. I'm here to do my job, and that's it. You know, don't ask me about what get paid. you know. Get, get paid. That's, that's it. <laughs> right. What do you want? You know, you want three notes here? Fine. You know, you know, you, you do the job or whatever. Right. Right. Now, um, the reason why I started my own thing was because um, a lot of bass players and a lot of uh, drummers—they're great. They're phenomenal. But they're at home. And you know why? Because they're waiting for somebody to call them. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to do my music, whatever. Why not? Right. So that's, that's, that was the impetus for me to get out there and like, start my own thing. I want to play my music. I don't, you know, I want to do it this way or whatever. And it's time. Right. You've been seeing that more lately, too. Like, uh, are you familiar with Brian Blade? Yeah. Drummer. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. like, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite drummers of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, started his own project and he's doing he's doing all kinds of collaborations like Christian McBride and like mm-hmm. a bunch of people in that circuit and then you know obviously like your Marcus Millers and Victor Wooten's mm-hmm. uh, Steve Bailey Steve Bailey yeah. um, a lot of people that just kind of go off and start their own projects for exactly that reason yeah. do you think that um, so we'll get back to all the stuff with segues you guys did a lot of cool things that I want to talk about mm-hmm. but do you think since uh, since you started that that band, and then after it, it, uh, disbanded for a little bit, do you think that kind of informed your ability to be a hired gun, like a little mm-hmm. bit, maybe kind of like change your perception of what it meant to be a hired gun after you had your own band? Um, not really. The thing, because here's the thing: if I'm a hired gun, you know, um, and when I was a hired gun before the Segway thing, um, my thing was to be professional, show up on time know the music um and i hate this you know people show up to rehearsal and then they're learning the songs there i'm like oh. no <laughs> this is not you know practice this is rehearsal you should have known this and you know we're gonna work on parts or if we need to fix things right you know so i i i always you know pride myself in having that professionalism right i'll come there i know my parts or whatever you know i might have to sit there until you know these other guys work their things out or whatever but you know you you, you, um, you know said this is what it is it pays as much just when it starts you know in the whole pit and that's it you know yeah I mean how many times have you seen I, I don't know if you have experienced this but 
you know, one of the band, you know, it's, it's time for the downbeat. And one of the musicians is running through the door, you know, to set up when it's oh, time for the downbeat. Oh, okay. And you're like, <sighs> okay. <laughs> We got to start anyway, you know, just go finish setting up and jump in when, you know, whatever. That drives me crazy. I don't know. I think, I think me and, me and Anton are both not that way at all. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, we're trying to do our own thing. Like, yeah, the number one mm. thing that you can always do is show up on time. Yeah. There's, not, there's nothing hard about that. Yeah. Well, that's I'm like, it's, 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 it shows respect to the yeah. leader of the band and yeah. the band itself. Exactly. You know? It's like you're, it's like you've taken the time. First off, as a band leader, like you've, you put a lot of time and effort into whatever it is you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And then you've hired me because you have the confidence in my ability to do my job. Exactly. I'd say, why would I give, give you any reason to not want to hire me again in the future? Right. You know, there's some band leaders out there that take it to the, to the next level. There's a guy, I won't mention his name because he's, he's pretty well known just in the Southeast, <laughs> but he's a guitar player from South Florida, which mm-hmm. is where I got my start down South. Okay. Um, he ran uh, like a pe- pretty big corporate band <laughs> and th- they had a gig in Ocala and um, one of the guys showed up wearing the wrong color suit. Okay, what? you're talking about <laughs> driving from West Palm Beach oh, wow. to Ocala. He sent the guy home. <laughs> really? Yeah. Because he had mm. the wrong color suit. Yeah. He's on? also fired people on the gig for playing the bass long, uh, the bass line a little wrong. Where's this gig? <laughs> it's like, wow. Shit like that. Where's the gig where you have to wear a suit though? It's a wedding o- gig. That's oh, right in Ocala. Oh, it's, oh I it's see. It's a wedding see, gig. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, so just like I've, I've, there's some guys that take it to to the neck to, to the, extreme. the extreme. However, he's got a he's got a resume uh-huh. and he's great and pays like top dollar for his gig. So he wants what yeah, he wants. You know, mm-hmm. he, he can get it. But uh, yeah, I just I've heard stories like that, and I've never been that guy. But I I have. I'm I, I'm not like that brutal where I fire people on a gig, right. but I will just I will for sure never call you back though. <laughs> yeah. And I had one guy I won't, I won't mention his the name. The show either. must go on. I mean, like uh, you're gonna play the gig because you're here, but like yeah, you're never playing again. Yeah, <laughs> I had one guy eating. E- eating, he's a drummer. He was eating chicken wings during <laughs> during the set in the oh, middle yeah. of a song. I was I, like, I was at that gig. I was wow. like, are you wild? I never yeah, called yeah, him again. Like, Shit like that. It's just like, so what are you, uh, yeah. what are you doing? We're you know? done here. Yeah, you know. it's like I was, I was amazed. I know he's a drummer. He could do two things at one time, but he was eating chicken wings on a cell phone at the same time. That's pretty yeah. impressive. That's, yeah, so I'm impressed. <laughs> so I would have, I, I, honestly, I would have hired him back. You know what <laughs> What's your worst experience with somebody on a gig doing some weird shit like that? Oh yeah, uh, oh, oh, yeah. Let me think. Sheesh. Just showing up like just, right just, just showing. Yeah, yeah, that's that. That's the thing. Um, or you know, drummers showing up without uh, their throne. <laughs> Sticks. Um, Jeez. We had to take a. Uh, what was it? Oh, they didn't have the uh, beater, so we had to turn the uh, the what? bass drum of uh, the beater. Oh, yeah, the, the beater. Yeah. Sorry. So we had to turn the bass drum on this side, and they had to play like that. I'm like, <laughs> you're a drummer. Yeah. Why do you not have your stuff? Yeah, that kind of shit. You know, that. so that was you know, um, and I'm sure I've done some. You know, I was gonna say, you have any stories? Uh, yeah, I've done some stuff too. You want to talk about oh, it a little bit? Oh, well, well no, <laughs> let me see. <laughs> the worst was probably I um I went to a uh, it might have been a listening session, and I had a gig uh, right after that, and you know I was drinking tequila, which I don't drink today because I realized what what it does to me. Yeah. And uh, got to the gig, set up, ate something, and all of a sudden, I just crashed. And I got to play the gig, and I was like, 
It's just horrible for one song. But luckily, there was a bass player, you know, in the audience, and kind of so he took over the gig for me. Oh, he took over! Wow. Yeah, yeah. So you got a sub in the audience? Yes, yeah, sub yeah. after you're already there. Yeah. So needs to say uh, <laughs> that guy never called me back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. That's wild. Yeah. And then I have a bad habit too. If I'm playing, um, uh, a lot of times I play with my eyes closed, right? And then I got accused of, I was like, hey, man, you were taking like uh, Molly's or whatever, you know, whatever. My friend saw you type of thing or whatever. I'm like, I don't even do drugs. I might, you know, drink, but, you know, so that was one of the things. So we got into a little argument there, whatever. We, we, we've since, you know, reconciled or whatever, but that was kind of weird. Um, other than that, that's that's pretty much it. You know? Yeah. I've had my uh, fair share. Fair share, you know. So. I remember one time uh, I played the Swanee Amphitheater stage. Uh, this is the last show we played at Lucky Costello with a Purple Hatters Ball. And because I, I, I like to move on stage like a lot and jump mm-hmm. around and stuff like that, I, I moved my hand like that to mm-hmm. like, like we were doing back and forth between me and the guitarist. And I was like, it's your turn to solo. Uh-huh. And I knocked my laptop all the way off the stage <laughs> on the fucking amphitheater. Man. Oh my God. And like, they just was no. like, like this awful sound. <laughs> and I'm just like, great. And this uh-huh. is like, and it's the middle mm-hmm. of like a solo section between me and him, like just like uh-huh. turn everything down. And then he plays his solo and then it's my turn to play. I'm like, I can't play. Oh my God. <laughs> That's why I probably like mm-hmm. worst like stage performance. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah. but but, yeah, but yeah. just showing up on time and uh, I think mm-hmm. maybe a couple times I forgot a PA stand. That's about it. Yeah, it's yeah. not bad. <laughs> I I forgot my amplifier at one time. Oh mm-hmm. no, that was that was, that's a funny story too, where you thought it was broken and he just he wasn't turned on. Oh yeah, that that, that, was, that, that happened one time. Oh, that's one of the that happened stories. one time. Yeah, but no, the, he this was one freaking the fuck out. This one was a this was a this one was a big problem. It was, it was one of the first bands I had started myself, and mm-hmm. we were playing uh, at a place down in Fort Lauderdale called the Culture Room, and uh, we were opening up for this uh, reggae artist named trevor hall and he was just like he's pretty famous now in that kind of california reggae scene Mm -hmm. but uh at the time he was really starting to develop like build a name for himself so we were stoked to get on there and we show up to the gig and i was like and i was also on probation because i had a dui at this time so i Mm -hmm. couldn't drive or do anything so show up to the gig and my friend's house the drummer's house uh, was like 35, 40 minutes from where from where the gig was at, mm-hmm. and it was my amp was at his house because we had a rehearsal early, earlier that day, and I was like, "Yo, I don't have my amplifier." And they were like, "Well, we sound check in like ten minutes." And you know, like when you're the opener, you know how those goes. It's like yeah. they, they give you like ten minutes, and then you're done. You're done. Get you know, out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Well, we said well, I don't know. We're gonna." So I had to like his mom. Luckily, was coming to the show and hadn't left the house yet, so she brought the amplifier. And I was—I didn't get a sound check with it, but I was able to set up and play. Like, yeah. uh, much to my drummer's demise, because he hated the way I played guitar. Luckily, it was uh, my band, so he didn't really get a say. But exactly. <laughs> um, all right, so I, I want to go back to Segway because you guys did some really cool stuff. Um, so you opened up for a lot of uh, artists, like kind of in the smooth jazz kind of realm. Yeah, um, so, and and the jazz. Uh, as well um you mentioned brian, brian blade yeah so we opened up for him at the sunfest it wasn't his gig it was um, joshua redman's gig okay so it's him uh josh redman uh ruben rogers okay and benny green on uh, keys yeah i think so yeah and then others you know the keiko matsui's the the yellow jackets um yeah how'd you guys do that 
Like, come on, man. Well, I'm I'm curious because nowadays this is what late 90s. So nowadays we have social media and and we have access to people that are doing booking. If I if I want to find out who who books, you know, like anybody, I can just go online and find that out, right? So you don't you didn't have the same resources back then. I would imagine not in the same way that we have it now. So how'd you guys do it back then? Um, a couple of things. So. You, you might not be able to find out who the promoter is, right? But a lot of times, um, these uh, uh, venues, like let's take the Florida Theater, I know who was running that whole thing. And I would approach them like, hey, you need an opening act for this, blah, 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 you need an opening act for this. And you get some FaceTime, and you get your music in front. And you might not get it the first time, but, you know, the third time. It's like, okay, fine, you know, I'll let you open up for this particular act or whatever. Yeah, so it was that that type of thing about uh, persistence, right? You know? um, yeah, and that's 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 pretty much it. And then somebody hears you, you know, play there, and that's how we got the jazz festival. Um, someone was in the audience from the uh, I guess the the, uh, the jazz festival, you know, committee, and they said, "Oh, that band's pretty cool." Then they reached out to you, say, "Hey, you want a slot here?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure, you know, take it or whatever." And then the rest of it, like, it was. I was just sending out packages after package, you know. Like you, 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 there's a book that you can get, and you know all of the uh, the uh, uh, festivals around the country and outside of the United States, and you just send your package, send and then back. you know, okay. then that and that was it, and then you just the follow up, you know, the follow up, the follow up, you know. How would how would like okay, so say that promoter came and saw you at a festival, mm-hmm. how would they know how to contact you? Uh, they would ask, uh, you know, um, the people or the uh, the venue itself. Like for instance, uh, the promoter has to uh, interact with the um, the director of the place or whatever. Like, yeah, that band that played or whatever. Oh, who that makes that? sense. So they'd be like, hey, who's the guy? Who's the mm-hmm. band that you you had here? Right. Okay, that makes sense. Sorry. Then they get your contact information from them, and then they know so on and so forth. You know. Oof. So it's actually it's not a lot of very, hard work. It's actually not that much different than how it's done now. It's just no. instead of having the internet, you had like just physical copies of books and it, it, cards it, it, and that kind of stuff. And even now, even on the internet, it's not like the promoter's phone numbers on there, anyways. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, you know, you call. It'll be it'll be their email, and you'll be like the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, the bottom <laughs> of the barrel, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. It, it, a, a lot of it too is 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 name dropping. Yeah. You know, yeah. Too. So it's like, hey, blah blah blah. You know, yada yada yada, or resume sometimes or whatever, or you know. Just, just, just helps. So, yeah. did you guys cut a record at that time as well? Yeah, we cut. Uh, I'll tell you in a second. Okay. Right, and then um, we were fortunate enough to have Victor Wooten play on that project. Right, because, that's you know, dope, man. Yeah, so that kind of gave some weight, you know, to the whole thing. And uh, I, I, I did what I'm doing now, or whatever. You know, you, you form these um, relationships with the magazines, because then you know you got the, you know. Um, their whole marketing thing or whatever and that's the same thing too it's it's uh with victor so if if i put it out there that victor's playing on my project or whatever right now and i got his audience too because they're going to want to hear what he did on my project right then by happenstance somebody say oh this band is pretty cool you know so now i got that following as well you know too so right. it's, it's, it's just you know just kind of figuring out the game and the thing too is i would go to nam every year man i want to go to that you got you so bad. you have to go i know and I met so many people. I met so many editors from different magazines. I met, you know, so many luthiers, so many, you know, the whole sh- shebang or whatever. And, you know, I would have uh, demos on a little, like, uh, uh, what do you call it, the uh, Rockman or whatever, the, the little CD thing. Oh, yeah. And I just walk up to them, hey, blah, 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 check this out. 
put the headphones on, play. No shit. But it's pretty dope. Or whatever, you know, you get your endorsement or whatever. And that's the thing, too, is if they're going to endorse you then and you have the instrument, then you, the next step is to kind of to kind of get them to put you in ads. Right. Or promote their product and you as well. So what's that process like? Because I've always been very curious about endorsements and how you get I those. mean, you pretty much explain it. You go to NAMM and you put a discount no, out. I understand. <laughs> but, yeah. I understand, but mm-hmm. but I'm saying that's like, like... That's like guerrilla warfare. <laughs> right, <awesome>. but... but <laughs> yeah, it's like... But, there's <laughs> there's the then there's a follow up process where like you you can have yeah. an endorsement and then just be put in their website and then just nothing ever happens again. Right. So what's how do you I guess cultivate and maintain those relationships? It's it's a presence. You got to do things. You yeah. Put stuff out. You know that's the whole thing too. You're not going to get anything like, you know, because you're a great player or whatever. They, I heard had the guys uh, from even Big Player Magazine like, okay, here's the deal. Don't come to me unless you have something to promote. He said, "Yeah, he's a badass, but then, then what? Right? It's not doing anything for them or, or me, right? Know? So if if I have something to promote, they'll take it, put it out there. You know, now I'm making money. People, you know, then come to me, but also they're like, I'm in a magazine, and and they're like, oh, cool, cool. You know, so it's a, a symbiotic relationship. Type yeah, thing. for sure. Yeah, that's that's what I've been kind of realizing too. It's like through like a lot of trial and error, and just." Uh, rejections or just never getting answers to anything mm-hmm. through emails and everything i think i've i've realized that you have to have something to offer and it's not just it's not in the sense of where it's like selfish mm-hmm. uh where it's like they don't want to work with you unless but it's it literally they don't have anything to talk about exactly you know it's like if it's like well yeah we're it's like you know we're a band and we're really good we want to be featured mm-hmm. in your in your magazine or in your blog mm-hmm. or whatever it might be and it's like, okay, well, what do you have to promote? And it's like, well, we're just, we're trying to get recognition. We don't have anything. It's like, how do we get recognition without this? And it's like, okay, well, come back to me when you have something. Yeah, that's not how cross-promotion works. Yeah, yeah you gotta have both of them. Yeah, have so that's what, that's what, yeah, so basically what you're saying, I, I've mm-hmm. learned a lot of that over the over the years as well. Yeah, absolutely, and it's and the whole thing, too, is you can't, you know, wear your heart on your sleeve. You're going to get a ton of no's. Oh, yeah. You're going to get a ton of rejections and whatever. It's like, mm, okay, they weren't feeling it, but you got to keep, you know, um, for instance, if you talk to one of these editors, it's like, ah, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Call them a few months later. Hey, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. How you doing? I'm like, ah, okay, whatever. And call them a few months later, whatever. When you get the project, hey, I got this, man. You want to check it out? Yeah, let me check it out. You know, all of a sudden, they just soften, and it's like, now they know you. You're, yeah. You're, either you're like this great cat or, or that annoying dude, but they know your name. You right. Know? It pays off. Yeah. Story of my life. Yeah. I'm <laughs> <laughs> it's... It's uh, that's something I've been doing a lot more of recently is just kind of um, relationships that we've made with people over the years mm-hmm. through playing, just kind of like checking in, yeah. shoot them a message. And nowadays, you don't even have to make a phone call, you just shoot them a message. Shoot them a message you know, yeah. it's like, hey man, well, what's going on? How, like, how you doing? Everything good? Especially now, this whole COVID thing, you just check in on your, on your, on your on your peers you know right, right. say hey man we're all in this boat right now like how, how you doing you doing good mm-hmm. and just shit like that and it goes a long way and then when you call down the line not that you're going to call them for a favor but at the same mm-hmm. time it's say, like, hey man you got a cool opportunity coming up uh can i get in on that or what you know yeah, it's like yeah. figure so whatever you know like so yeah maintaining those relationships is super important even if you have nothing to, to say just see how they're doing yeah exactly we're all human beings long way, yeah you know big time 
Um, so I do want to get into all that stuff because you have really some really cool stuff that I want to talk about with your Thank personal you. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I do want to know what was like. Did Victor work in the studio with you guys? Mm-hmm. How what was that experience like? It was, it's the craziest thing ever. So uh, the the Flecktones was playing the jazz festival, and so we coordinated it right. So the bus pulls in, and I go pick up Victor, and we go right over to the studio. He listens to the song, one take. Take him back to the bus. <laughs> what? <laughs> really? That's amazing. <laughs> I was like, "What you do? Like a solo on there or something?" Yeah, he did a solo. Okay, yeah. It's on uh, YouTube. Okay. Yeah. What was the name of the song? Uh, "Want It Be Grand." If you look up Segway, on yeah, "Want It Be Grand." Yeah. "Want to Be Grand." Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely check that out. That sounds. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, amazing. So I have some friends that have. Um, featured some artists like mm-hmm. bigger names on their albums as well mm-hmm. um and i've got mixed reviews from people on how it worked out for them mm-hmm. would you and i don't know the details of what of how you guys worked it out with, with victor wooten but do you think it's do you think it did you guys do you think that, that it was worth do you think it was worth it the payoff in the long run absolutely yeah you know it's like again we talked about you know handing out your cd trying to get get on somewhere and it's like oh uh, getting a write-up, Chris Jesse that writes for BP, he's like, oh, oh Victor's on this or whatever. So that kind of got us in, you know, oh, these guys are legit. You know, if he's going to play on their project, they must be legit. And then, and then all that does is, like, um, um, gives like, your music a chance to be heard. Yeah. Almost, like, verifies you. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know. It's got like, blue check mark next yeah. to your name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's all it is. It's like no one's, you know, it, and it's a, it's a marketing thing. Not necessarily, like, okay, this is the best person or whatever you know no it's just a, a marketing thing or whatever and for me it was kind of like you know one of my heroes or whatever so i'm like yeah this is cool like come on and do this thing or whatever so cool man yeah i've been i've, been, I've always been curious about that we had some friends of ours uh well not friends of ours uh, there's a band that, that that uh it's kind of on the same circuit that we are mm-hmm. um and they had they featured like members of are you familiar with trey anastasio from fish he's a guitar player i, I think i might have heard of the name okay so yeah he's got his own band and he has like he has like a horn section and everything mm-hmm. and our friend not our friends this other band they got uh his horn section on their album mm-hmm. and uh i'm sure it cost them a pretty penny to make that happen mm-hmm. but uh i've heard through the grapevine that they didn't feel like it was worth it for them because they didn't get the recognition or, the, or it didn't really work out in the same way mm-hmm. uh that it had worked out for other people so that's why i was curious mm-hmm. Because some people put a lot of money into that. Other people, it's mm-hmm. like, well, this just works out. You just come mm-hmm. do it real quick for free or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, so I just, I've, I've been curious as to how that works out for people. Um, well, there are two trains of thought. There's the marketing side of it or whatever. You, yeah, you want to build a thing. But also, there has to be the, I guess, the emotional side too. It's like, you when you when you draw up this, this, this song or whatever, if you're going to bring somebody in, it's because you hear them on the song. Ah, I see. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that way, it's, it's about the art, not necessarily, you know, it's going to get me this or whatever, but it's like, man, I hear this, like if I'm doing something that's 6-8, right, I'm, you know, whatever, immediately I'm hearing Will Kennedy, you know, that type of thing or whatever, or I did a Brazilian tune that's on the project too, I heard Frank and Bali, you know, doing a solo, you know. Uh, did you get him on there? Yeah. You did? Yeah. That's fucking badass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, and that's, and that's the thing, too. It's like, you know, these people aren't, like, you know, untouchable, especially um, um, instrumentalists. They're all about, you know, if, it's, if it sounds good or whatever, they're going to play on it. 
Yeah. yeah. You have to pay them a little bit, of course, but um, yeah, it's like you know, and it's just like, oh, yeah, it's just, yeah, it means it means a lot. It means, you know, if I don't make a dollar from it, I just you know got the the the. You know the honor of having them on a project, you know, whatever, and then the song is forever. It's in the ether, and it's like, oh, you know, I get to play with my one of my heroes, you know, yeah, type of thing or whatever. That's so. super cool, man. That's a great perspective. They always say don't meet your heroes, though. Hmm? They always say don't meet your heroes, though. Some of that's true. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, you got somebody yeah. just popped up. You know, I don't want to <laughs> immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's on a uh, couple occasions or whatever. I'm not gonna say. I mean, super amazing, you know, uh, player famous but it's just like i was just uh devastated yeah you know yeah i'm like wow but all the other ones i mean uh you know like i said the marcus you know great victor great will great um patatucci great you know all of them you know have been really really uh, humble and really cool that's cool awesome but yeah like i said there's, there's a few of them that <laughs> i don't even say hello to you anymore i'm like <laughs> I mean, and, and again, you have to separate that. It's like, okay, that's you, but your music's still great. Right, so, right, right. You know. It's a hard thing to do sometimes, man. It's like mm-hmm. when, when somebody's influenced you in such a way, mm-hmm. and then, like, you meet them, it's like, okay, uh, it sucks. You have to kind of take an inventory of your past and be like, everything mm-hmm. that I thought informed who I am mm-hmm. musically is mm-hmm. now being challenged because you're such a douchebag. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why they say don't meet your heroes. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of that is like, oh. I never got that experience. I never got to meet, well, actually, that's not true, but I, I made a fool of myself. I always get starstruck when I meet somebody like that. I'm just like, mm-hmm. Hey, how are you doing? I asked I asked uh, uh, one of my favorite keyboardists when I finally got to talk to him. I was like, what's your repertoire? And I just, just asked him that straight up. And he was like, what's my what? And I was like, nothing. I got to go. <laughs> I was just an idiot. And, and here's a funny thing. Uh, I got advice about meeting, you know, you know your, your uh, heroes and stars like that or whatever. He said, for instance, if he met, I don't know, Steve Vai. Yeah. Right. He he said, "Don't go up to them and say, man, I love your playing. You're awesome, or whatever.' They hear that every day, all day, or whatever. Ask them a pointed question. Well, uh, you know, when you're playing this, or whatever. You know, would you? They'll remember you. They'll stop and talk to you. Yeah, because now it's like, all right, I'm sick of the glorification thing. Uh, you're awesome, and uh, well, yeah, because you've really picked. It's like you you approach some of the question where it shows you've really picked apart what they do. Exactly, and like you want to, and like yeah, so that's I totally get that for sure. Yeah. I I I understand why people get jaded. You know, I, I could see that it sucks when they take it, it like you're the one they take it out on. Yeah, but uh, mm-hmm. I you can't blame them completely either. You know, no, no. there are people too, and they have you know, um, you know. Bad days. There's another occasion where one guy was going through a divorce at the time or whatever, and then you know, you have to give him a pass on that. You know, on that, and it's like okay, but yeah, just just like us, you have you know bad day and this and that or whatever, and uh, unfortunately, yeah, in that public eye, you know, it's like it's like 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 actors and actresses or whatever. That thing you want it becomes a thing that you hate. Right, right. You wanted attention now, and you got all of it, and you just you can't even go you know get a burger. Right, right. There's a lot of people like I know like for me it's much less about uh, the 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 fame and and all that than it is more about just being able to make a, a comfortable living doing what you love to do but unfortunately mm. 
the fa- the fame kind of comes with that at a certain point, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a total recluse. I would fucking hate that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just like want to be left alone. I want to yeah. be I want to be uh, uh, rich and not famous if that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's definitely a thing. <laughs> definitely, you know. Um, all right, so let's talk about your your new album coming up. What's mm-hmm. the name of the album? Behind bars. Behind bars. I mm-hmm. love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, uh, where's that name come from? Come from two places. Um, obviously, the, the first and uh, most apparent is music. Yeah. Bars, the stuff behind it. You're writing every note or playing every note or whatever, and making, getting it to where you're satisfied. You know, you got to live with this thing forever. Right. And then uh, the other part of it is, uh, someone said, the the very thing that you want is on the other side of what you don't feel like doing. So until you do it, you're behind bars. Uh, that makes sense. So. It's pretty deep, man. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, is this going to be like a different record from what you've done in the past? Um, I think it's more evolved. It's, um, a lot of times, well, my playing obviously is, is evolved and work with my son. Who just wouldn't take me, you know, uh, that's okay. You know, okay wasn't good enough. It had to be, you know, right, and, you know. Um, but aside from that, a lot of um, projects or CDs, if you will, they're themed, you know, so it's going to, you know, flow or whatever. But I'm like, there's so many things I love. I love R&B. I love uh, hip-hop. I love jazz. I love, you know, uh, Brazilian music or whatever. So all of that is on there, you know. So there's something for everyone. Yeah. Know? And, you know, I'm, I'm really happy with the way, you know, it came out or whatever. So It's great, man. I can't wait to hear it. When are you planning on releasing it? Uh, October 20th. October 20th. Yeah. Wow, yeah. You're, Sweet. Because well, we're recording an album, too, right now. You've mm-hmm. already... So you've been you've been recording all all this year and everything, too? Oh, uh, yeah. I've been recording this album. Believe it or not, I started it 10 years ago. 10 years oh, ago. Oh, good Lord. Wow. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't mean any offense or anything like that. Yeah. I was just... You've been doing the same thing years. as us. Yeah, and, and it was, you know... It was a thing where I'm like, ah, you know, I'll do it or whatever. And for whatever reason, uh, the last two years, my son really got on me. He's like, you got to do this. got to do this. And he was dogmatic about it and, you know, getting the songs to me. He wrote a lot of it, or, or most of it. I did a few covers um, and I wrote a couple of songs on it as well. And he was just, he would fly here because he's based in Los Angeles. Oh, okay, cool. So uh, fly here, record, and then... Uh, He'd fly back or whatever, and you know, just piecemeal it. And then a lot of the drum stuff, I sent out to have done. Uh, Will Kennedy had sent him thing. He sent his drum tracks back, and uh, another keyboard player, Alex Argento. Um, he's in Palermo, Italy. Okay. He sent him stuff. He sent it back or whatever, and yeah, so that's kind of how we did the whole thing. And then the rest, most of the production was done in California because he had the musicians out there, the other drummers. Um, Whoever else. And he plays, he plays most of the stuff on, on the project. Like he plays the keys, he plays the synth bass, he plays the guitar, um, you know, and all that stuff. And awesome. Drum patch and stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, um, it's cool that we're able to do that now, kind of piece together uh, like these songs and these albums. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes it a lot more cost effective and just, yeah. it's cool to be able to collaborate with people that you don't normally get to collaborate with as well. Yeah, exactly. And I was fortunate enough to like everybody that played on it, they played passionately. You know, when I, when I first sent the track to Frank and Polly, he was gonna play his electric or whatever. And I wanted, I wanted acoustic on it, you know, cause it's, you know, it's a Brazilian type thing or whatever. And he was saying that, you know, his, because of his hands and the whatever, 
I'm not a guitarist, so it's like it's 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 a, a lot of work or whatever. I played electric, but then when he got the tune, and he's like, "No, I got to do acoustic on this," and he nice. did it. Yeah, that's cool. So he did it, and it's you know amazing. The only thing I I, I I requested from him, I'm like, I have to have a couple of those sweeps. Couple, <laughs> yeah. you know. So yeah, he provided. So I'm like, okay, cool. That's Can you do sweeps on an acoustic guitar? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but it's got to have a good sustain, though, to make that work, right? No, you just have to be very clean in your playing. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Trust me, he did it. Yeah. There's there's very little about being a musician that I found out uh, that that um, that's solely because of your instrument or or your gear. What about the whammy bar? 90% of it, well, this, that's part of the 10% that I'm that oh, Okay, sorry. 90% <laughs> of it is is just on you, yeah. like 100%. Mm. I got so lost for a long time when I was first getting started playing in bands, trying to find that perfect tone. Uh-huh. Oh, this is gonna make me sound like that. This is gonna make me sound like that. I just got to a point where I was like, you just have to stop sucking so much. There's not gonna be. There's, there's not like like a. There's not like like a suck pedal or a suck knob on your instrument that you can turn actually just turn down. It's like, or you can just kick on. It's like you gotta just be good, yeah. and then the rest of the sh- you, you can make anything sound good. I've seen guys. Well, I used to work at Sam Ash down in mm-hmm. Miami. Was like, I saw guys come in and pick up a hundred dollars Squire with mm-hmm. the action that was way too high. Uh. Plugged into a little Line Six <laughs> modeling amp. It made that thing sound glorious. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know that's true. Um, I've, I've uh, my uh, old drummer used to have this uh, Casio tone keyboard that came mm-hmm. out in the '80s, like 1983. I'm gonna, I, that's that's what I'm gonna buy here in a little bit. It was like 100 dollars on eBay. The whole point is, it's like just playing that, like this tiny little annoying, like basically kids keyboard or whatever, and mm-hmm. just playing that. Like I can play that, and I, I love it. Yeah, yeah. But, you got you got to model you got you got to play with what you got work with what you yeah, got right well actually i found a uh fender jazz choir fretless in a pawn shop for like 129 dollars good lord i use it on this project oh you did it sounds it sings really oh my god for 130 dollars yeah but it's one of the things i think somebody Change didn't know what to have you know whatever or, or they're like you know hey you know how it is <sighs> i want to be this or whatever i want to be jocko this weekend to get it and it's like ah, i'm over it and just go sell it for whatever. Also, it could have been somebody was trying to do like a project guitar or mm-hmm. pr- a project bass and change the pickups out on it, mm-hmm. and like that that doesn't add any resale value. It, so like oh, a pawn yeah, yeah. shop or, or a music store is just gonna be like, I don't care if these pickups cost you two hundred dollars, like exactly. you still got you're still getting a hundred bucks for the guitar. Exactly. You know? So yeah, um, I've really wanted to learn how to play bass in the past year. I don't know why. I, I guess do you, do you, uh, maybe you it's lessons just, L? No, I, I I'm. I show. I'm a shower. Okay. So it's like, you want to learn a specific thing or whatever. I'll show you how to do that or whatever. But you know, I, like I said, I'm you know I'm, I'm not the big theory guy, or whatever. And I you know, I can show you kind of like uh, what I do in my concepts, which are really simple. Yeah. You know, and and uh, that's that's kind of I've shown guys some you know a few things here and there. So you want to be a good. Uh, that's not really what I was asking. I was I was trying to say <laughs> that I've been I've been looking at bases to buy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I. I, I uh, one of our uh, friends who plays bass uh, up in North Carolina, he was showing me um, like the Japanese youth uh, bases that they had. I can't remember the name of it. You probably do. Well, the the new ones now. We can get no, a, it was like a from Sire. The, it was sort of like from the sixties, I think. Oh, sixties. Oh, okay. I can't remember what it's called, but it was it was interesting. I've always I've got small hands. I think uh, mm-hmm. uh, even for a piano player, mm-hmm. and uh, I uh, was playing the that that youth size bass. I'm like, oh my god, I can I can play bass. Mm-hmm. That was my problem before. It's like I can't put my hands around this thing. Yeah. 
but yeah scaling so even for me and i have long fingers i can't mm-hmm. play a bass to save my life mm-hmm. i can like i can if, if i'm playing like like a funk tune or something i can just mm-hmm. just hold play quarter notes in the one for Is you it? all day just <laughs> boom boom that's all you yeah. need and, and like you, see, you alluded to something earlier setup is key oh yeah I mean, my bass, you can just probably touch it and the notes jump off, you know. I'm not trying to, you know, strings like 15 feet off the you know, yeah. fretboard. Or no, it's just, it's, you know, you've got, you got to find that balance too so it doesn't you know, kind of like bottom out and hold it. But yeah. once you find that sweet spot, you know, for you, man, it's just like. Do you play a stand-up bass too with jazz? No, I do not. Okay, I was just wondering. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like super uh more difficult or anything it looks like it is because it's bigger but i don't know yeah i mean it's just like uh i, I started playing it's fretless it. though i know it's, that yeah and it's it's arced you know too and then they have exercises because it's based on positioning yeah. right and when you're first learning they have this thing called the bloody thumb you know where you have to come over and play because uh, you can't fret all the way down right so, so you, you have like to reach over you know and you just i guess skinning up your thumb or whatever you know, it's just so it's a, it's a yeah it's tuned the same but it's a different animal. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like playing a different instrument altogether. Mm-hmm. Similar concept as far as how you play it, mm-hmm. uh, or like what the purpose of of it is, but just a different approach to physically how you play it. It's exactly. completely different instruments. Mm-hmm. Totally present yeah. first, second, third, fourth position. I think it is. Yeah, I don't know, but it it wouldn't fit in the back of my car. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. Call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for this album. You you got a write up in Bass Player Magazine. Was that that's mm-hmm. all awesome, for promotion? Man, that's amazing for mm-hmm. this album. Yes. Uh, congratulations on that, by the way. And that's Thank very you. awesome. And that I mean, I don't know how how difficult that was for you to pull off, but that's not, that seems like quite the mountain to climb for me. It was. So that's cool. It, and, it, and it goes back as simple. You know, I, I had a relationship with the uh, editor, several editors. You know, over the years. Yeah. And so um, uh, this particular editor, I talked to him maybe about a year ago about my son's stuff or whatever. And then he, that's when he'd say, well, we, we, you know, when the project's coming out, it's got something, send it to me. So then um, when I finished this, I sent it to him and he loved it. And he's like, you, you, ha- you have a press kit, you know, whatever. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so I just, you know, I run a release, release uh, press release. So pipe something together real quick, send it out. And then, um, uh, a day or two later, all of a sudden, he's like, here it is. I'm like, what's this? I went to the link, and I'm like, holy shit. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. So so have you been doing that with different publications, like sending stuff out and doing like a whole marketing campaign with it? Absolutely. You and know, doing it all yourself? All myself. That's. You know? I mean, my job is, uh, you know, I write software, so I sit in front of a computer all day. So. Yeah, so you can <laughs> like, just do it. Yeah. Do it and send I it took out. this job. I, 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 yeah. I, I'm in customer service. Okay. But mm-hmm. for a call center, I took a mm-hmm. night shift job. Uh, so okay. from 12 to 6.30, there's nothing. And that's when uh, I'm like, oh, I'm sitting in front of a computer. Right? And I got my keyboard set up and everything. Right, so, we, so you can write up all of our press kits and all that stuff. I'm not, I'm not too terribly good at writing, though. Yeah. But I could learn. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, writing about music is hard, too. It, it, it's, it's, especially when you're writing about yourself. No, yeah, well, yeah that's probably you know, even worse. Like, uh, but I got to gotta hype myself. Yeah, you, know, you got to take yourself out of yourself for a minute, too. Yeah, exactly. Right, you know, in like the third person. And exactly. Then make, and, like, say <laughs> things about your music that you would never say about yeah, your music. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, but it's, it's, you know, 
can't say, oh, I'm all right. You know? Yeah, I guess I'm. I guess you know. <laughs> I guess I could do the gig. I mean, there might be a couple other guys who do it better, but whatever. That yeah. would be that would be, be badass. Funny. I haven't yeah I haven't seen a I haven't seen like a first person like personal like description of themselves as a band because that would be hilarious. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm awesome. And I play piano really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <totally laughs> and you're and and also you and I'm talking to you in first person. Uh, you're gonna love it. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna love it. That that would be my. Oh. You want to write it? You want me to start writing it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's an SNL skit. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was gonna ask uh, before Corona and everything like that. I, uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm not a big jazz guy or anything like that. Not that I, I hate it or anything like that. I just don't really know a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I was wondering: is, are there like and this is probably a stupid question. I already know it is stupid, but is there like cool jazz clubs around here that you can go and listen to? Jazz Hat, where you um, would play? This one, Breezy's, yeah. So, I've but never heard of that. Hit or miss, cause sometimes it's kind of like a smooth jazz, and then sometimes it's hardcore. Like when you, if you see a Barry Green or a Scott Giddens playing there, um, yeah, then that's just going to be the heavy, hard hitting, you know, a large new Parsons. Uh, yeah. Type of thing, but you know it's it's a mix. I, you know, I play there periodically. You know, my thing is, I used to uh, I used to live off a uh, University of Maryland Road, mm-hmm. and there was this place called uh, Jazz Jazzland Cafe. Jazz, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I always was curious about it, and it, it's they had like the windows like boarded up almost, and there's like no like it just seemed like a real sketchy place. I didn't know if it was a jazz place or not. I figured it was called I think that. Jazz, yeah, I. I I think I heard something about that. And then there's the Blue Room listening room. Blue Jay listening it's room. Blue Jay listening room. Kara's a good friend to. of ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We she had her on actually here. on the podcast yeah. a few months ago. Well, okay. um, but yeah, where, where would you uh, play around here with Segway? Is what I guess I'm trying to ask. Um, that would probably be like Breezy's or whatever. Or there's like another spot. It's kind of like my home um, spot, if you will. It's called the Island Girls. Island Girl. Yeah. yeah the, the Parkway. It's a cigar bar. Yeah, cigar bar. I used yeah. to play there all the time when I first Yeah, I used here. to teach uh, piano across the street from there oh, at okay. Schroeder's. I think it's closed now, though, but I'm, I'm not positive. Okay. Yeah, so I know so it's you guys play there, there as a band? Um, well, I, I when I play there, I play there as the Al Rashad band. Okay. Right. And that, you know, again, I it's, it's kind of hard as a, as a band leader to get people um, fully on board, you know, because they have other things to another... So I have a, a a stable, if you will. Sure. Yeah. And I'm like I pull, you know, I have like three different um, sax players. I use Juan Roland, you know, it's phenomenal. Uh, Jaron Walker, I use him. Um, uh, what's this other guy's name? I forget. But uh, uh, it's a uh, uh, Luigi uh, Arandondo, I think his name is. And uh, I can't think, but for the most part, I use James Davis on drums. Okay. And um, I was using Elijah Paris on keys, and uh, gosh, what's his name? He just got to write up a folio too. Keyboard player, phenomenal. Uh, his name uh, escapes me. Not Javian. I used Javian before. Um, no. Eric Brigman. Uh, I haven't used Eric Brigman. This other guy. What Aaron Larian, kid. Mm-mm. No. Young guy, Afro, it's like uh, French or something like that or whatever. What is his name? Can't think of him. Yeah. Oh, uh, Pierre. Uh, Jonah Pierre. Oh, okay. Uh, Pierre, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, oh, right, because we're talking about jazz clubs, right? That's what you yeah, wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I was just wondering where you were playing, and then mm-hmm. also like I don't know, like, that just sounds. You want to go see? We go. You want to go find some jazz? Right, mm-hmm. like live and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, well, Monday like, nights. I think Blue, Blue Jam I, might be picking it up again Monday nights. With the, they had a jazz jam going on. There were Eric Brigman mm-hmm. from uh, JJ Gray and Mofro was running it with his band, uh, which was a great night. There were some killer players that went out there. Uh, Breezy's is a great jazz club. Where is mm-hmm. Breezy's? Downtown in Adams. Is Adams. It? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's like super close to, to right 1904. It's right down the street. Uh, oh, how have yeah. I not seen that right before? Next to, right, if you're on Adams Street, right before you hit um, Hogan, yeah. where the, tra- the train thing is, it's right there on the right hand side. I played, okay, there right. one, I played there one time. I don't do jazz music very often. No, I think I I think I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then there's a there another place that opened up in Riverside, like in Five Points, called Jazzies or something. What? Mm. I think they do. They're trying to do like a jazz kind of thing, but I've seen I've seen reggae bands and stuff in there. But I think they're trying to do like a jazz kind of night. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know what their deal is, but yeah. Oh, and Sundays, the uh, you know the Casbah is. Yep. Oh Casbah? yeah, Casbah. Yeah, they do down Sunday nights. Riverside Avondale. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, they, I've seen some killer jazz bands yeah. there. Um, Just interesting. Yeah. Something new yeah. for me, anyways. No offense. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just would like to see that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, that's that's really impressive that you've been able to take on all the marketing and all that stuff on yourself. And people pay, pay like thousands of, I mean, literally tens of thousands of dollars for that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. It's, it's it's a you know a, a, the whole thing, man. It's it's rough. I mean, I can imagine being a huge star and having to do all the stuff. That's why I have the managers. You have your personal assistant. You have your accountant, and then you have you know the your marketing team. You know? Right. Um, yes, it's a, a daunting task or whatever, but. You know what? I, I got to do it. Yeah, know? for it's sure. Like, I can't just let it sit on the vine and die. Yeah. You know, get you it out. If you don't do any, any kind of marketing or promo on it, then it just literally you release it and just goes out into the ether and nobody hears it. That's it. And that's, that's what we want. You know, more than anything, like, you know, you want people to hear something that you worked on and you're proud of, you know, whatever. And there's no, you know, there's no bad uh, responses, you know. People might like it people might not like it right what you don't want is them to be indifferent <laughs> that's man i've been saying that forever it's like yeah. I, I always feel like like i would rather have somebody say i hate your music mm-hmm. than to just be like eh. <laughs> exactly you know, that's you'd have to like work. go check it out like why do, why does that person hate it it's like mm-hmm. you're putting butts in seats you know what i'm saying well if you if, <laughs> if you hate it, it it evokes some kind of emotion out of you yeah. exactly you know I guess so. if you just say eh, it's like you literally like it could just have never existed exactly or you could have just never heard it and it would have been the same to you at least if you mm-hmm. hated it it's like at least you know yeah. it ruined your day or something right. <laughs> it, it invoked an emotion yeah, right you know you it's know. like um so uh behind bars guys when it comes out make sure you check that out it's gonna be uh, we heard october uh, 20th you said october right? 20th, 20th, yeah we we checked out uh was it millerize millerize yeah, 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 great today, single too. yeah it's great into, man like that Marcus Miller percussive, like soloing. It's like just uh, you're you're phenomenal, man. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Um, before we close it out, we got to do unpopular opinions. Did you think of one? Uh, I thought of something. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll get to you in a minute. Oh, let's let's do ours. We say we save yours for the last. We save yours for the last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's how we always do it. Um, okay, so. Um, Oh, before you, do you have any shows or anything like that coming up? Or are you just for the album release or anything? Uh, the album release will be probably at Breezy. I just talked to. Uh, I want to go. I'll go. It's Jeffries about that, so it'll be in no- November sometime. Okay. Awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They'll definitely try and make that one. Yeah, that sounds great. Cool. 
Um, okay, so my first unpopular opinion is as I'm sitting here drinking uh, beer from Wicked Barley, I'm kind of over craft beer. What? <laughs> really Come on, man. I, I, and I love Jen and Wicked Barley, and mm-hmm. I will drink Wicked Barley beer because I love Wicked Barley beer. But just in general, you know, it's like, I, it's like mm-hmm. at the, I find myself at a bar. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you don't, if the bar doesn't have liquor, because I'd rather drink liquor, um, I'll just I'll take a PBR or something. Honestly, just because really? I'm just. I, I did the whole, like, I only drink uh, beer from, like, craft breweries kind of thing for a long time. Uh-huh. But I've gotten to the point now where it's like, just give me water with alcohol in it. Gross. I'm good with that. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. So, like, like I was trying a to Bud Light or a PBR. Uh-huh. I can't do that. Yeah, I'm Sorry. good with it. Um, uh, my po- popular opinion, I've said this to a couple of people because uh, I just moved here from the beach. I've lived in there for like 15 years. Uh-huh. Uh, I moved back up here in March. And uh, some days on a muggy night, you smell the Maxwell Coffee House. Mm-hmm. I love that smell. Uh-huh. A lot of people don't. They're like, uh-huh. oh, it smells disgusting. I'm like, you don't like co- the coffee smell? <laughs> I love the coffee smell. <laughs> well, you do. So maybe it's not yeah. unpopular. But everybody else is like, oh, this smells. Uh, I'll always hear like, uh, oh, it smells mm-hmm. awful outside. Like uh-huh. it smells like someone just made an entire like I don't know pot of amazing uh, coffee. <laughs> coffee. Yeah. It smells good to me. <laughs> well, whatever. Um, so my second unpopular opinion is, uh, and this is gonna get twisted out of context. Uh, Frank Zappa is an overrated guitar player. Uh oh. Yeah, uh, man. I don't know what he's saying. Either. And here's what I'm gonna say <laughs> about that. Okay, mm-hmm. is that Frank Zappa is one of the most profound composers yeah. of the 20th century mm-hmm. he wasn't a great guitar player uh, let's just let's be real let's how, look, how listen to his compositions and be like holy shit that's amazing and then listen to his guitar playing you're just always like okay but you're like you're not like i don't know larry carlton or somebody you know what i mean <laughs> it's just like <laughs> like you're not even like jimmy page like you're just like you just you're just playing shit i don't know it's just it's never done anything for me oh, you, well. you like zappa at all I listen to a whole lot of his music. I like his philosophies when he's talking about the music industry. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. He's, it, so. But again, I guess you're kind of right. It isn't really talking about his guitar playing. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's <laughs> really smart. I've, mm-hmm. I've learned from like, listening to that kind of stuff about him. I've mm-hmm. learned from that. And his music is... It's like, you know, how you have like jazz fusion and funk fusion. His, I would call like classical fusion. Mm-hmm. It's like he was very oh, influenced yeah, sure. by classical music, uh-huh. but also was very influenced by blues and rock and roll. Mm-hmm. So he has like this weird kind of thing going on. Um, it's, it's amazing compositionally. It's just as a mm-hmm. guitar player, you're just like, that wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Whatever you just played. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, you, you, know, you know what? Not to cut into it. I, I forgot one of the things. Um, uh, one of the people to mention, yeah, who was a big influence of mine as well, and that's uh, James Hogan. Oh, James Hogan. Yeah, playing his first prog, just phenomenal, and just standing next to that guy and playing with him. Yeah, it's scary. He's he's unreal. So, yeah, and Barry Green and you know. yeah. Uh, my so the guitar player, in my girlfriend's band, uh, Alchematic, mm-hmm. is the name of their band. Uh, Chris Underdahl, are you familiar with him? Mm-mm. He went to UNF and 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 studied under James Hogan. Okay, and yeah, he showed me a bunch of James stuff, and I'm just like, that guy's unreal. Yeah, and he plays like everything. He's not just like a jazz yeah, player. Yeah, he plays exactly. like every and any style. He plays mm-hmm. it authentically too. Yeah, yes, it's pretty impressive. It's hard to do. See. Yeah. Uh, my second unpopular opinion, just real quick, just brushed over this. Uh, nobody exists, and consciousness is just the perpetuation of human evolution. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna yeah, move on from that one. It's a little <laughs> don't want to del- don't want to delve deep into that one. A little one. heavy for a Tuesday night, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, unpopular opinion number three for me is I like the current landscape for musicians. 
The current, what do you mean? Just what it means to be an artist today versus what it means to be an artist 30 years ago. Uh, just Oh, you're no longer an elitist. Well, no, I think... <laughs> you think everybody should be a musician? No, not that everyone should be a musician. I think that, I mean, quite the contrary. I think that it takes a certain kind of person to be a musician in today's age um, with everything being in your own hands. Like, you're handling your marketing yeah. and promo stuff yourself mm-hmm. because you've built those relationships. Like, you're, you've you've recorded the album yourself mm-hmm. to, uh, without going to, like, a big studio and having to spend a shit ton of money on it. Right. Like, all of this, st- people are complaining because, or musicians a lot complain a lot because we have a lot of overhead now because we have to pay for our own marketing teams we have to pay for our own studio time mm-hmm. the labels aren't doing what they were, were doing 30 years ago right. so there's a lot of a lot of pushback from musicians about how it's so very difficult today to be to be a musician versus 30 years ago and i'm just saying that i actually like the dynamic today mm-hmm. because it's all in our own hands if True. nobody knows who you are or nobody listens to your music that's 100 percent on you Mm-hmm. Or 90% on you. There's always going to be that if factor, you know. Right. But, yeah, so I don't know. It's all in your hands now. And I like that dynamic. Yeah, you're you're capable of doing whatever you want to do yeah. on your own if you just work at it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, my last one before Al's last one is uh, uh, Christmas is better than Halloween. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> you do agree with that? Yeah, I like Christmas more than Halloween for I, sure. I have to flip it because... Uh, you like Halloween? Halloween? Halloween is my daughter's birthday. So. Oh, oh yeah, well, yeah. You have well, a sorry. caveat there. Yeah, you got, yeah. <laughs> can't compete with that. That must yeah. be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, what is? Do you have an unpopular opinion? Um, I'm not sure if it's unpopular, and I'm not sure if it's my pet peeve. I cannot stand the term slap. Slap like slapping the bass. Sla- yeah. Um, when Larry Graham created, it was thumb of thumping and plucking. Okay. Milt Hinton slaps the bass. I've never seen a bass player slap. That's true. I always wondered that too. It's like so. Where does this term come from, or whatever? But it should be thumbing or thumping because I was there when it started. <laughs> so, all right, thumbing so or plucking. I will never say slapping the bass again. <laughs> now that you've, you've changed my mind yeah. forever. Now all I can think of is uh, pump up the jams. It's like mm-hmm. when the beat is pumping and your feet are stumping. Or sorry, beat is thumping, feet are stumping. I'm gonna stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good rule of thumb. But all I always time. wondered that too. It was like mm-hmm. they're, they're not. I always thought that I was like, oh, he's slapping the bass. Like he's slapping that when he's doing it. And she's like, no, he's just. I uh, I remember my old bass player. He's like, you you play like you're uh, twisting a doorknob. Is what he told me to do. I don't know if that's right or if he was playing well, that right. Mine's more like this. Like that. Yeah. I just understand. Like, what do, do you pull up on the string when you hit the thumb or what? So it's, it's, there's so so many different you know things. So there's the the uh, traditional. You hit, kind of bounce it, yeah. bouncing the string. And then you use either these two fingers or the one finger to pluck the octave or whatever you're gonna pluck. Right. Then there's what Victor does is he go through the string and come back up. You know. Sean does that, our bass player Sean does okay. that. Okay. Where he goes like boom and then boom. Right. Plucks it back up. And then you get the boom, boom, pluck, pluck. Okay. You know, and play arpeggiated or whatever. So those those are you know pretty much it. Thumping plucking. Thumb thumb plucking or thumping. 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 I don't know. Thumb plucking sounds like mm. a good band name. <laughs> thumb plucking. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a little bit of bluegrass, though, it sounds like to me. Um, all right. Well, Al, thanks for being with us here today, yeah, man. Thanks so for thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Comment in the middle of the yeah, thunderstorm and everything. Uh, be Absolutely. sure to check out Behind Bars coming out October yeah. 20th. 
Uh, check out, uh, be on the lookout for his uh, album release sometime in November at Breezy's. Oh, right. Um, and then uh, come see us at Monster Mash on Halloween night. We uh, have tickets for sale. We have tickets for sale. Come see it. Uh, come see us November 21st at 1904 for the dinner and a show. Um, and then me at Jack Rabbits on the, on the thir- uh, October 13th. And also, I have a collaboration out with a, a bunch of friends of mine. Uh, my friend Kane Daniel out in LA who's crushing it I mean an, an amazing drummer uh, definitely check out everything he's got going on JL Folks up in Nashville uh, Keith Harry in Asheville uh, playing bass and then uh, Let's Ride Brass Band from here in Jacksonville was playing horns on that it was a song that I wrote and arranged and I'm um, happy with the way it came out so follow me on YouTube and Facebook and all that stuff and uh, we'll see you guys next time adios muchachos